Hey everybody, welcome to episode 16 of Junior Golf Keys. I'm your host, Matt, and I've got a great guest for us this week in Stephen Hamlin, the executive director of the AJGA. Um, A few weeks ago, the AJGA reached out to me and asked me if I would be willing to have Stephen on. Of course, I accepted. Uh, Stephen has done a lot for the game uh, of golf, specifically junior golf with the AJGA as he entered the organization um, as of this year, 36 years ago. So he's dedicated more than three decades of his life uh, to growing this great game, specifically in the junior space, and um, really appreciate what he's done for the game. So he's, you know, really implemented some neat programs like the Ace Grant program, um, internship program with the AJGA. So. We had a really great chat, and I'm excited to get to that uh, for you guys. You know, Stephen weighed in on some things like the history of the AJGA and where it was when he came in and where it is now in terms of the number of events and, you know, how the programs have evolved. Uh, We talk a little bit about where junior golf is headed, Um, talk a little bit about things like pace of play and uh, the expense that golf can have and what the AJGA has done to uh, try to make golf a little bit more affordable uh, for juniors and their families through the Ace Grant program. Um, He's got a couple fun stories to share with us. Uh, Was boarding a plane actually, let's see, yesterday now for listening to this on Thursday uh, to head over to Melbourne, Australia for the Junior President's Cup, which is something that the AJJ is super involved in. Um, So just had a really great chat and really appreciate Stephen for his time. Uh, and joining us last year, Stephen was inducted into the Georgia Golf Hall of Fame. So uh, we've really got somebody here that knows the space super well and has played such a huge part in uh, in building and growing the framework around junior golf in the United States. So if you guys sit tight, I'll be right back with our guest, Stephen Hamblin. Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, we've got episode 16 of Junior Golf Keys, and uh, we've got a really special guest today, the Executive Director of the American Junior Golf Association, the AJGA, Mr. Stephen Hamlin. Stephen, how are you, sir? Great. Thanks for having me on, Matt. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, on this show, we're just trying to bring as much value as we can to junior golfers and their families, uh, those that are navigating the uh, space of junior golf and trying to further their games uh, and golf careers and academics. And uh, excited to have you on to talk about that today because you've played such a huge role in that um, in the junior golf space in the U.S., uh, specifically with the AJGA, but in general with the game of golf. So thanks for joining us. If you could just could you kind of give us a little bit of your background and how you got introduced to golf? Certainly. I, uh, I was not going to be a golfer at all. I was going to be a major league baseball pitcher, uh, me and all my other buddies at the playground. But sure. uh, I ended up having a, uh, a kidney removed, and I, I couldn't play contact sports anymore, which was crushing to me as a 13 year old and, but, uh, as they, 
say things work out for a reason. And my grandfather was a tremendous golfer, self-taught. And all of a sudden, he and I were really hanging out together, practicing him, teaching me. And uh, he was a wonderful man, a wonderfully patient, caring man. And uh, I saw him shoot his age a number of times. So he was quite the golfer, too. And he taught me how to play golf. So I'm here uh, at the AJGA because I couldn't play baseball anymore. Okay. Okay. That's an interesting story. Um, yeah, it's neat to kind of think back. And I just had my dad on an episode last week. So just kind of think back to some of those times where you're growing up in the game and learning some different lessons. Um, you celebrated, I believe, last year your 35th year with the AJGA. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. And so the AJGA is now in its 41st year as a whole. So you came in five years after they had started, and you've seen a lot. You came in, there were 13 events, and now you've got 120. So kind of walk us through that a little bit in terms of just what is the AJGA and what's, what's the history been in that, in that timeline? Well, I've got to give uh, the, the founder of the AJGA credit, Mike Bentley, uh, who was a sports writer here in the Atlanta area, he created initially the DeKalb County Junior Golf Association. It grew quickly into the Atlanta Junior Golf Association and from there grew into the American Junior Golf Association. And he saw that there was not a platform, uh, much of a platform for junior golfers to get exposure for college golf scholarships and he filled that void with the American Junior Golf Association, and that's been our mission and purpose uh, since day one. Uh, we don't do camps. We don't do clinics. You know, we provide the best uh, platform possible for young men and women uh, who aspire to earn a college golf scholarship. And very, very proud of, of keeping to our purpose of who we are and what we do. We try to get better every year. And yes, when I, when I first came, there was 13 tournaments. Um, very special time in my life. To uh, I, I actually was introduced to the AJGA while I was a, a assistant golf professional at Innisbrook Resort. Okay, in Tampa. To, yeah, I got to see the likes of Davis Love and Billy Andre and Billy Mayfair and Heather Farr and Jenny Lidback, and I just saw these young, dynamic athletes that were so dedicated to the game and so passionate and worked so hard. Um, I was just totally blown away with the organization. And when they gave me an opportunity to come on board uh, and help them, you know, I jumped at it. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned all those names are so many more right that have oh, yeah. been involved i mean are there any good stories that you can share just maybe some you know quick ones about a couple either interactions or people that you've seen come up in the ajga and how they took advantage of you know the the platform and everything the ajga stands for to to further their selves i think the the first person that i saw that that i knew was uh, a very special athlete, a very special player was Phil Mickelson. Uh, in my first year, he was playing at Lake Tahoe 
uh, as a 15 year old. And back then we had a 11 to 14 and a 15 to 18 year before he had won the tournament as a 14 year old playing in the 11 to 14 division. And now he was playing in the 15 to 18 division. And after the first round, howling winds, tough golf course, he shoots 70 and he's leading the tournament. And wow. a, a reporter asked him, he said, now, Phil, we understand you won as a 14 year old last year, but did you ever expect that as a 15 year old, you'd be leading the tournament in the 15 to 18 division? And he said, sir, with all due respect, I think I'm the one to get up. <laughs> that's a great. Year old. You know, yeah. I mean, the, and that's, I think, you know, looking back and looking at all, you know, Tiger and, and Phil and uh, Morgan and Paula and B Park and Araya Jatanagarn, they all share that confidence, you know, not cockiness uh, sure. because I think golf, weeds that out of everybody at some point in time that's right but just a confidence in in one's ability and no doubt that they can hit a shot and the courage to pull try to pull it off um that seems to be a common denominator among the champions that we've seen at the junior level yeah i agree i mean i used to be in the academy world and I've gotten to know uh, some junior players really well and some that are kind of finishing up their careers and some that are in the junior uh, in the junior segment that is. And then, you know, some that are still making their ways through and, you know, a couple that I've had on this podcast so far in Cannon Claycomb and Max Moldovan, Max is the the reigning uh, AJJ player of the year, as you know, and Cannon has been really involved with the AJJ as well. And Cannon and I were talking about that uh, a couple months ago where, you know, he, he does have a very, you know, confident um, approach to the game. And, you know, I think the junior PGA this year, he shot 21 under and finished second, um, which <laughs> is just stellar scoring. Right. But right. Um, you've got to have that confidence to go low. And it's it can be a learned skill also is what I've found with some of these young players. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'm just um, when you take a, a normal 15, 16 year old, and put them up against, you know, a Phil Mickelson, a Tiger, or Cannon. Yeah. I mean, there's a difference. Um, there's, there's, and I don't know if it's genetic. I don't know if it's learned. I don't know if it's parenting. I don't know what it is, but the, it's a common denominator. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, can you talk a little bit about what the game has done for you and what AJGA can do for young players and their families? Well, um, I just, for, for me personally, it's been a labor of love. Um, you know, I think golf is such a unique sport in that there are so many great people involved in it, whether, you know, it's, it's golf administrators, players, volunteers, um, sponsors that support us, uh, you know, there's just this tremendous community that golf has of great, great people. So I've been very fortunate to be surrounded by tremendous people, our staff, our interns, our board, uh, and they've really, uh, made my career with the AJJ just a joy. So, 
you know, from my perspective, it's just been a labor of love. Uh, it, it, it remains so. I'm the grandpa of, of the AJGA now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, but I'm surrounded by youthful exuberance and, and just love that. Um, yeah. So, you know, as far as what the AJGA can do for, for young men and women, I think it's a, um, I think it's a great learning environment. You're, you know, we, we know that uh, the, the tough lessons that someone's going to learn really should be learned at the junior level, because if you learn them at the junior level, you're not going to have as many problems at the collegiate amateur or professional level. If you sign a wrong card, you know, and learn that, and, and yes, you get DQ'd uh, if you sign for a lower score. Sure. Um, but, and I got a good story about that, as a matter of fact. Yeah. But that's, that's a lesson you learn without a lot of consequences. Um, uh, but the, the consequences get more dire when you sign an incorrect card at a national championship or you sign an incorrect card trying to get your, you know, uh, a tour card. Right. Um, so I've never worried about, you know, a, a penalty or a disqualification at the junior level, because I know that's a that's a tremendous learning opportunity. And, and to give you the story, we had a young man from Wisconsin who was great friends with Steve Stricker, and he was the total opposite of Steve Stricker. Uh, Steve Stricker was always cool, calm, collected, mature. His friend Mario Tiziani was a hothead. And. <laughs> Mario, if he had a bad day, I mean, everyone knew it. And he came into the scoring tent after a bad day at Otter Creek. And he wouldn't sit down to sign his card. And I was scoring. I asked him three times, Mario, would you please sit down? He wouldn't do it. He just couldn't sign his card and get out of there fast enough. And when he did, you know, he signed the card, marker signed it, and boom, out he goes. I looked at the card and I thought, this is going to be very interesting. <laughs> so I went up, I went up to Mario. I said, Mario, I got some good news and bad news. Uh, the good news is uh, you signed an incorrect card, but you do get to play golf tomorrow because you put your nine hole total in the ninth hole. So you scored a 36. Oh my God. <laughs> for the ninth hole. So you're in the tournament, but you just shot one Oh two. Oh, wow. And I said, the next time I tell you to sit down, why don't you, why don't you try to do that? Yeah. Le <laughs> lesson learned, right? Right. Right. <laughs> I bet that never happened again. Well, you know, he. Hopefully not. It, it, it calmed him down a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I've heard or I've read or, or heard you say before, too, that, I mean, you know, on a junior stage, it's 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 better that you fail there. Right. Than, right. than maybe at the collegiate level or the professional level and learn these lessons as you go and that's what I love so much about the game and what it can do for young people is just instilling, um, you know, not only those types of lessons like you shared, but just values, um, you know, builds character, you know, those types of things. I mean, do you have any stories around that specifically? Well, you know, I, I just expanding on your, your thought there, I, I think the game of golf teaches us to be responsible for our own actions. You sure. hit it in the woods, you go find it and you figure out, how to get out. That's right. I mean, it's, it's not a coach. It's not a ref. It's not another player. It's not your parent. It's all you. And I think that's why 
these 15, 16 year olds are so mature because they've figured out I am responsible for my own actions. And if I get in trouble, I've got to get myself out. Yep. And I think that's a tremendous lesson uh, for, for any age. Um, so as far as I don't have a particular story other than the Mario one, that's, that's the best one I got. Man. That's okay. No, that's fine. I was just curious. Um, you know, I've always said, I just think golf is so uh, synonymous with the game of life where you, know, you can be standing on the tee box. You can rip one down the middle of the fairway, just like you're supposed to do hit a sprinkler head and you end up in the trees or yeah. you can hit one into the woods and you get a lucky break and you find your ball in the middle of the fairway. So I think it's yeah. just very representative of kind of how we can go through life too. And we can learn some of those lessons, especially at a young age. I think it can be really impressionable for the young kids uh, to pick up some of those, some of those lessons along the way. Yeah. I just, uh, I hope the parents just have the same attitude about it. Yeah. Typically they don't, but sure. it is, it is a learning opportunity and, and, you know, certainly getting DQ'd is not fun, but yeah, uh, it's a great lesson. Yeah. Well, I mean, you mentioned parents and, you know, I know as well as you do, cause I've been around junior golf for a while now. Um, you know, there's a certain dynamic between players and parents and cross cultures and, and different stuff like that. I mean, what kind of advice do you have for parents that are out there that, you know, I think ultimately the root of it, any parent, and I'm not one yet, so I can't speak to that myself uh, in terms of experience there, but I've watched it uh, from afar. I think every parent wants the best for their kid, wants to see them succeed, thinks maybe they're doing the right thing. Uh, and how they're handling themselves or that dynamic between the player and the parent. What advice do you have for parents and how to um, navigate the junior golf journey along with their young player? Well, the, the, the best uh, lesson I ever heard was, uh, uh, you know, Bob Rotella. I do. Famous uh, sports psychiatrist, psychologist. Sure. Uh, he, he had a daughter that uh, played golf and played AJGA, went to University of Virginia. Uh, and Bob was at one of our tournaments, and I, I knew him very well. And I asked him, I said, Bob, you're here. You're here with your daughter. I don't want to impose on your time, but would you mind taking 30 minutes and, and just having maybe a little uh, parent seminar? I said, I, I'd love to. And he goes through his whole routine on, on this, that, and the other of golf and the mind and this and, you know, everything. And he gets done, does a little Q&A, and a uh, mother raises her hand and, says, and she says, okay, Bob, you're a father this week. You're, you're not, you know, in your – you don't have your hat on, your psychologist's hat on. You've got your dad hat on. What, what are you going to do this week? What, what's your MO? <laughs> and he says, well, this is my daughter's tournament. So she's going to tell me what I, what, what she wants me to do. Interesting. Some, sometimes she wants me to watch her hit balls. And I do. Sometimes she asks me to um, walk the course and I do. Sometimes she tells me to stay away and I do. Mm. Uh, it's whatever she wants. Cause this is her tournament. She, she dictates to me what my involvement is. And I thought that was really a very, very interesting perspective and, and something that uh, 
I think is really important for, for parents uh, to understand. And uh, here he's coming from the, one of the great experts in, in sports psychology. So. Sure. Yeah, it's a great approach. My dad, I had my dad on last week. My dad played golf at Ole Miss and uh, was a teaching pro right out of college. And then he's made a career in the insurance industry and played a lot of golf along the way doing that. Um, but he told a story last week about um, I basically looked at him when I was a young, young kid and said, I don't want to play golf with you anymore. And um, he asked me why. And I said, because you won't let me just play. You always want to tell me what to do and you won't let me just go play and have fun. And I thought it was just a neat story for him to tell. Um, it was really unprompted. I, I knew of it, but, um, you know, didn't ask him to share that, but he came out and shared that story. And I think that, you know, hopefully people take some lessons away from that type of a story. Uh, we ended up, you know, our relationship is a great one. We played a lot of golf throughout the years, but in that year and a half span where we were kind of going through those challenges, it was just a learning curve for him as a young parent, you know, trying to figure yeah. out, how to coach a young kid and be their parent. Right. Right. So, oh. um, and we, I gotta, I have to admit that we have tremendous parents. We really for sure. do. I mean, yeah. the, there's a very small uh, minority of, of those that kind of struggle uh, with, you know, how to handle things. But for the most part, our parents are absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about college. Um, I know the AJGA is a big platform for helping players get noticed and, um, obviously a bunch of high level tournaments and, um, your junior all-star series also gives younger players an opportunity to get into the AJGA. Um, what does the AJGA as a platform do for those players that are looking to create an opportunity for themselves at the collegiate level? Well, I think, first of all, uh, people have to understand that we've created a, a tiered program to where someone uh, just trying to break onto the scene of national golf or the AJGA has a, a much easier pathway than, than, you know, 10 years ago. Right. Uh, we've got that uh, preview series for first-time members or, or someone who's never played in an AJGA event. You know, then we have the the junior all star series for 12 to 15 year olds specifically. Then we have qualifiers that, you know, someone trying to break in can can get into a qualifier and qualify their way in. Then we have the opens and then the invitational. So there's there's a nice tiering of, of events designed to try to ease someone's way uh, into the AJJ and, and national junior golf. Um, so I'm, I'm really pleased with what we've created there. Uh, it seems like the recruiting of players is happening earlier and earlier. Uh, I'm not necessarily thinking it's, uh, the, the best way to go about it because things change. Um, uh, young men and women are making commitments very, very early. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, in some ways that's good. In some ways it's, you know, it's not. So uh, I don't have the, I don't have any great advice for, for how to handle that because uh, coaches may only have, you know, one scholarship available in the, in 2022 or what have you. And, 
they're going to go to their top recruit and see if that recruit wants it. And if not, they've got to move on because everyone's going to be signed up, you know, sooner than later in that year class. So sure. Kind of a catch 22. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that, like you said, it's gotten younger and younger. I mean, I think the most important thing is, um, you know, I think, I, I think there's an opportunity to stay patient in the process though, you know, for mm-hmm. those families and those players, um, you know, there are, as you continue to evolve, there are new opportunities that open up, um, you know, new doors as you continue to compete on different stages and compete in the classroom, uh, you can create some good opportunities for yourself. So, um, can you talk a little bit about, I mean, the star system, I think some people are trying to figure out, you know, how they play in different events, um, and then what it means to kind of build status within a tour specifically. Can you talk about that? Sure. Uh, it wasn't too long ago that we were actually uh, filling our fields based on a very subjective system. It was uh, at applications that you filled out and, you know, all your accomplishments. And it was very archaic system, very labor intensive. Uh, very bulky. Um, And I remember a board member saying, well, why don't you just stop selecting tournaments? And I kind of laugh, like, what do you mean stop selecting (laughs) tournaments? And he goes, have the kids earn their way in. Hmm. And as soon as he said that, you know, we started thinking about the hundreds of tournaments that are out there throughout the country. Why couldn't we take the state juniors and and give those state juniors a value um, and just say, hey, you win your state junior, you're you're exempt from the AGA. If you finish top whatever, you're going to get so many stars. And um, so we just wrapped our arms around the 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 junior golf world and said, look, you're going to be a part of our you know, performance-based entry system to where if kids do well in your events, they're going to earn status into the AJGA. Um, and it's a, it's a evolution. Uh, it's never going to be uh, perf- perfected, but we're constantly trying to be fair and equitable to, to all parties uh, as to the stars and things like that. And so one of the things that I think our player services department does for parents or juniors who, who want to know how to navigate, they, they can really, they'll walk you through based on what region of the country you live in, based on your age, based on your skill level. They'll recommend a, a roadmap for you and, and recommend tournaments not only AJGA events, but other non-AJGA events that have a lot of PBE or, or maybe more PBE than, than others. So uh, our player services does a great job in, in helping people navigate that, that system. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned other tours or other golf events, uh, junior events around the country that, that feed into that type of performance-based entry system, right? And they can accumulate... Um, some of that status even outside of the AJGA. So, um, yeah, so parents and players, I mean, that's something to pay attention to as you're, you know, building your schedule out throughout the year. And if a goal of yours is to play more AJGA events and, 
you know, continue to build your status there. You can always pay attention to what type of status uh, other tournaments outside of the AJGA carry, um, you know, that can still feed into that system too. So that's, um, that's a good insight there for those families uh, as they're building those schedules. Um, can you talk about, you know, obviously there's been a lot that's changed um, throughout the years with the AJGA and junior golf as a whole. What have you all learned from players specifically over the years that's kind of helped you shape uh, the AJGA into what it is now? I think it's, uh, I think uh, we're constantly learning. We're constantly trying to improve. Uh, I, I think the, the, the juniors, the, the, the best message that I've received from them is they really enjoy the, the social aspect to our events where we're always trying to have some fun, do some fun things, make sure that they, that the experience is not just all, you know, grinded out on a golf course for four hours and 24 minutes. It's, it's about the fun. It's about the, cookouts it's about the social activities because hey look to get to the level that these young men and women are they're sacrificing a lot they're not going to this they're not doing that and and this is where you know it's funny watching them on the putting green there's not a lot of putting going around there's a lot of socializing going on (laughs) right Um, and it's just fun to see them interact and hang out and whether we have music going or games or things like that, I think that as an outlet. Yeah. I've seen tons of fun videos that uh, the teams posted about, you know, whether it's playing laser tag or ping pong or just different tournaments and stuff outside of golf. Um, Yeah. It can just bring some more camaraderie, right? Get to know people on a little different level. That's right. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about, golf and the expense that comes with that. So I think one of the challenges that we face as people that want to continue to grow the game is, you know, golf's an expensive sport. And um, I know that the AJGA specifically has a program that helps with that. I know that uh, Max Moldovan talked about it a little bit in his uh, player of the year speech this year. Um, Can you talk a little bit about, um, the expense related to golf and the ACE grant program? Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, we created and, and actually Max, uh, and Rose Zhang were mm-hmm. both ACE grant recipients and both are players of the year, uh, which I think speaks really highly of the program. Uh, we first started thinking about the ACE grant when we heard, the PGA tour announce the creation of the first tee. Uh, I was there uh, at that announcement and I went back to our board and said, here's what the PGA tour is going to be doing. It's, it's not their mission and purpose to turn out national caliber junior golfers. However, we all know that if someone gets introduced to the game, they get the golf bug, they work hard, um, they practice that they're going to develop a a significant game and they're going to want to test their skills at as high a level as possible. And, you know, I think some, some juniors are going to come out of these 
first tee programs wanting to play on a, on a national level. So right. we, we uh, put a little pilot program together in 2003. Uh, I think we serviced 12 kids that year. Uh, it was an unbelievable pilot program. The, the, the parents were so grateful and we saw some kids get some scholarships uh, to major universities where they had no offers, you know, until they were able to get onto the national scene right. and get exposure. So we're, you know, this year alone, we're going to service over 200 junior golfers in the Ace Grant program. Uh, we're going to reimburse over $400,000 to those junior golfers and their families. Uh, and in total, since 2003, we, we've reimbursed $4.3 million, wow. which has evolved into $16 million of scholarship. So if you're thinking about a return on investment and you look at it just from that perspective, it's pretty incredible uh, what the ACE grant program has meant to families. Right, for sure. So, I mean, how does the program work? Is it an application process? Yes. Uh, and actually, you can go on the website. Uh, we still have that little calculator, don't we? Mm -hmm. You can um, calculate uh, based on your your income and how many children and all that. It's, it's basically set up the same as the college, uh, you know, grant program. Okay. Uh, that's how we did it. So, you can fill it out and in just the calculator – see whether or not you qualify without even talking to anybody. So uh, if you do, then you can call up and say, Hey, I think I qualify for the ACE grant. Can you help me out? And, and we're, we've got a whole uh, department that'll help you through it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great program. I mean, it's um, you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunities out there to reduce some costs around golf. I think this is a great opportunity for juniors that want to play at a high level. Um, I love what you guys are doing there. So thanks for doing that for the, for the game. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, 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 we're very proud of it. Good. Good. Um, let's talk about pace of play a little bit. So pace of play is a big topic. Um, actually when your team reached out, it was something that they wondered if, you know, we could chat about a little bit and I'm happy to, because I think that um, kind of like we've been talking about a little bit today, you know, there's so many things that are instilled in us at a young age. And, you know, I think this is just another one of those um, things that, you know, we can learn at a young age and develop skills and habits that are going to help down the road. So what's the AJJ stance on pace of play and what kinds of things are you guys doing to, um, you know, coach the kids and, and lead them down a path of building some good habits with, you know, their, their timing out on the golf course? Well, we're, uh, we're excited about the pace of play program we have. And, uh, Matt, there's a difference between pace of play and slow players. And they're, they're two different subjects. Pace of play revolves around, uh, a tournament committee's ability to determine, is this a four hour golf course is it a 415 is it a 430 is it a 350 what kind of golf course is it and and how will the weather impact it how will the field size impact it uh, most events have 
are are doomed from the very beginning because they put too many players out there. Right. So there's there's not only a player responsibility, there's a tournament administration responsibility. And if if we do our jobs correctly in determining the pace of a golf course, if we set it up properly with good markings, good hole locations, the proper tee placements, the proper length of holes, the proper carries based on weather, based on everything, based on the, the field, then we're setting our, our young men and women up for success. If we do a bad job administratively, then you know we're in trouble. So there's a pace to every golf course. Um, and then dealing with slow players is another thing uh, that we've just made some changes. But basically, we've set up a, a six-checkpoint system. So every three holes, there's a checkpoint. And if you're up with the group ahead of you and on your time par that we've established, um, so let's say we, we have a four-hour uh, time par for the whole course, each hole is broken down. Right. Whether it's 12, 10, 13 minutes, um, and so you've got those three holes. You might have a par three, par four, par five, and they're they're all different times. And you got to get to that next checkpoint on time and in position. If you don't, you get a red card, two red cards. You get a penalty uh, unless you can complete the round uh, on time or in position. So um, we gave out. Over three thousand red cards this year. Okay. But not many. Not many uh, turned into a penalty because the system works. Right. In getting people to progress. I think. I, I think we only had three or four penalties out of three thousand red cards. So wow. That that tells me our system works. Now, dealing with a slow player is something everyone is struggling with. Uh, the USGA recommends. 40 seconds to hit a golf shot right and with aim point and lines on a golf ball and marking and remarking and feet straddling and all the things that are going on today 40 seconds isn't a lot for what we're seeing so um, we used to give a bunch of warnings if you were over 40 seconds. Now we're going to give one warning and then we're going to give a penalty whether you're in position or not. Mm. So there's going to be kind of what we call an undue delay yeah. uh, penalty uh, because what happens is two players end up really working hard to keep the group on pace. And the, the one, the slow player is a little oblivious to, you know, how he or she is holding up the group. Right. Right. Do you think that there is, an opportunity for an adjustment in that time? Oh, yeah. Uh, the way we've started it uh, with with this new just one warning, then a penalty, we're saying this this is applicable only to tee shots, fairway shots, or shot, uh, putts on the green. We're not going to take in consideration someone's in a bunker right. or someone's in a tricky situation um, and, and needs a few extra seconds to – you know, figure out what they're going to do. These are going to be really simple T fairway green. And, um, uh, we're going to see how that works for us. Yeah. Um, something that you mentioned 
at the beginning of that explanation was just the responsibility of the tournament staff in terms of setting up the course and, um, you know, pin placements and those types of things. And I know that that's something that uh, your internship program teaches a lot of those things, right? Can you talk about your internship program a little bit? Sure. Uh, really proud of, of what we do there for, for our interns. Uh, this past year, we had 1,200 applications uh, for basically 60 spots. And um, we went through a, a very rigorous uh, screening process uh, to get that number down to 120. We, we brought all 120 to Atlanta. We flew them in. We housed them. You know, we fed them for the weekend. Uh, but we're trying to find out from that 120 who are the top 60 uh, and we're looking for energy, personality, uh, leadership, uh, team orientation. Uh, and, and so we're getting really high, high quality young men and women uh, into the internship. And I think this is a great opportunity for the AJJ. There's a lot of discussion uh, right now on diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. And I think our internship is one of the best ways that we can have a positive effect uh, on diversity and inclusion, because if these young men and women go through our internship, get hired, spend three years with us, they're really well prepared as a young professional to do almost anything in golf. Uh, they've been exposed to quite a bit. They've worked hard. They understand, you know, golf doesn't take many holidays. Um, and so we're, we, we get exceptional people. And by the end of the summer, those 60, uh, out of those 60, um, some are ready to get home. They're, they're tired of the road. Uh, some have more school. And, and then, uh, you know, 20 or so are, eligible for full-time and we'll probably hire eight to 10 every year. So we're getting the best of the best yeah. from our internship program. Yeah. And for those of you that are listening, I mean, a, a couple of weeks ago, we had Kim Kinser on, who's the director of the PGA golf management program at Eastern Kentucky university, my alma mater. Um, and so this is something to think about too, the AJGA and their internship program. Internships are a requirement, you know, as you guys are going through, um, you know, these types of PGA or PGM programs. And, uh, you know, this could be a good opportunity, something to definitely look into to uh, gain a lot of good experience in different areas. Matt, I think that's an important point because most young men and women who are in the game right now are, are only thinking of golf as a player right? from a player perspective. They don't know there's so many great opportunities uh, and, and high-paying positions within golf, whether you're a state executive director or running a PGA or LPGA event, uh, there's some tremendous jobs in golf that I think the young people should at least acknowledge and think about if they're uh, playing careers at some point in time, they, they, you know, they want to stop playing. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a ton of opportunity. You said earlier, I mean, uh, the world of golf can be such a small world. I mean, there's so many people that I know I've met over the years. I'm sure you have too, that 
um, just a lot of good connections, a lot of good opportunities out there in business. And, uh, you know, that's definitely why this show exists is to provide a platform, you know, where we can educate folks on some of those different opportunities too, because inevitably for a lot of us, the playing career does end. And, uh, you know, if it's a game that you're super passionate about and you want to continue in, there's a lot of other ways to do that, um, out in the business world. So definitely something to look into if you guys are interested in what lies ahead in the business world for golf. Um, speaking of what lies ahead, can you talk to us about what's ahead in the junior golf world? Um, what mountains are still out there that still need to be climbed, I guess you would say. Well, we're always going to, we're, we're as a, as an organization, we're always going to try to improve uh, whether it's pace of play, cutting expenses, trying to make uh, our program as affordable as possible. I think, um, you know, those are, those are always the fundamental things that we're going to work on to try to get better at. Um, you know, I'm, I don't think there's, I don't think there's a lot of mountains in our way right now. There's just, you know, we're, we're constantly looking at the details this year as a, you know, as a example, uh, we tried to have a, a zero line item next to staff, food, staff, lodging, staff, travel, uh, you know, that's an expensive endeavor. And if we can reduce the expenses that we incur as a staff, that means the tournament experience, there's more dollars for the tournament experience, uh, maybe more food and beverage opportunities uh, or more money for charity uh, sure. in what we do and giving back. So um, those are some of the things we're working on. Great. Um, well, you guys definitely do a lot to give back and you definitely do a lot for the game. Um, next week you're headed to, well, maybe this week, when are you heading out to Australia? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Junior president's cup. Uh, what are you looking forward yeah. to out there? Well, I just, what an opportunity. They get to play Royal Melbourne, uh, as the, the big guys do. Uh, they're going to be, treated to some tremendous hospitality uh just just a tremendous opportunity to uh celebrate i think uh golf and especially junior golf yeah will it be televised at all any part of the junior presidents i don't think so no uh, no okay we can follow yeah. some live scoring maybe on the website though right yeah that's right okay good deal um as we move towards wrapping up is there anything that you just like to share with this audience uh, of players and families um, just any advice that you'd like to leave them with? Yeah, I just, I, I just think that, um, you know, the AJGA junior golf is just a learning opportunity. Uh, it's not an end all be all. Um, you know, when I, I, I've seen superstars come through tiger, Phil, you know, uh, in B park. And then I've seen, uh, examples of, of young men and women that just got a little better every year. And, and Steve Stricker is that person. Mm. He never overwhelmed you in junior golf, but he got a little better every year. And he's look at the career he's had. He just um, won again, um, didn't he last week? Or the... I'm, I, yeah, I'm, you know, I didn't, I didn't see that, but, uh, um, yeah. you know, here he is the Ryder cup for yeah. sure. And, uh, 
you know, he didn't dominate junior golf. So I just, if you look at it like a process uh, rather than an end all, I, I think that would keep everyone in proper perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, well, Stephen, it's been fun. I really appreciate you taking some time aside. I know you're traveling tomorrow. You got a long trip next week or through the next week. Um, but really appreciate you taking some time and talk to us about the AJGA and uh, the game of golf. And thank you for everything that you've done for it. Matt, thanks for having me. I, I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Have a great trip. Thank you, sir. All right. Bye-bye. Well, guys, that wraps up episode 16 of Junior Golf Keys with our guest this week, Stephen Hamblin, the executive director of the AJGA. Thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate your time and uh, also appreciate Stephen's time, obviously, for jumping on here and sharing some valuable information with us. Uh, Stephen's done a lot for the junior game, and I'm really glad we had the opportunity to connect and uh, share some information with you guys. So, As I always ask, if you've taken anything away from this show, please share it. Please leave a review. Um, I've I've received some really cool emails from you guys recently, some direct messages on social media. Uh, Keep sending that stuff. I'm trying to reply uh, as quickly as I can in a timely fashion, and I really appreciate the feedback that you guys are giving me about different topics and what you like and what you don't like and uh, just general feedback as a whole. So... Thank you very much for that. Uh, I appreciate you tuning in. Make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss out on some of the exciting guests that we have lined up. And uh, I hope you join me next week for another episode of Junior Golf Keys.